Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor, el Pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfrútanos. Good morning, church. Good morning. How are we feeling this, this fine Sunday morning? Feeling good? That's great. Now, um, I want to ensure that I start and then I actually finish today. I'm thankful that I get to be here on this day and be here with you all. And it's always a privilege to me to be able to stand and simply voice, voice what the Lord has put in my heart. And I struggled a lot this week because there were so many different paths that I was, was wanting to take and so many phrases that I heard on last week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, that were just very impactful. But one of my favorites that I still, I can't get over it because I haven't fully wrapped my head around it, was the phrase that Leslie said. She said, you can't overcome the storms you can't sleep in. And I thought to myself, holy moly, I am very sleep deprived in that sense. Because in so many storms, my first reaction is to try to save my boat. What can I do to save my boat from sinking? Right? That's our, usually our first instinct, our first reaction is, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix it? What can I do to prevent this from getting worse? But when she said that, she sunk my boat. And I immediately began thinking, how many times was the Father wanting me to just rest with Him in the middle of the storm? We cannot overcome the storms that we can't sleep in. And the, I mean, that was one of many phrases. And I encourage you to go back and watch those videos. And the podcast will be up this week from all the sessions. Um, so you can also have that on the go. Um, but it was just a, a lot of amazing things happened and were sown. And I know that we're going to see the benefit of this in these coming days. Right? I believe it. I believe it. This morning, it is my hope to give you solid truths about Papa that will enable you to maintain course no matter the conditions of your heart. Today, we're, we're going to dive into what I have titled The God Who Can't. Everyone say, The God Who Can't. Now, before you listening, or either on the internet or live or in the podcast, before you turn me off or say, this is heresy, bear with me. We're going to go somewhere together. This phrase I, I heard on Saturday um, from the Holy Spirit, so it's not blasphemy, okay? It's, it's what we would call a play on words, it's insinuating something. It's making you think of something that's probably wrong. And I want to emphasize that t t today is the God who can't. 
And we've, we can read scripture and we can go through the stories from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelations. And we see this depiction of an almighty entity that we know as God who can be broken into different categories. Who functions in so many different avenues. We see the God of creation in the beginning. Right? In the book of Genesis, God functioned as creator. And as he progressed, as the timeline began to move forward, we see God shift from not just creator, but he became protector. He became warrior. He became healer. He became Friend, Father, Savior, Redeemer, Lover. And the first seed that I want to sow into your heart this morning is this. I want to sow the seed that God, who can't deny himself. The God who can't deny himself. Now, some very useful terms that we can refer to him as. We know him to be Father. We should know that name by now, right? We've heard that extensively for these last couple of months. We know him to be Alpha, which means beginning. We know him to be Omega, which means the end. These are things, I mean, and the list is extensive. I mean, we, like I mentioned, we can go on and on about how we would refer to God. But all of these things we have known about him. And I, I don't know if you, if you realized the, the underlying message that was happening from last Friday, Saturday morning and afternoon, Sunday morning, and then Monday morning and afternoon. The underlying message or the underlying approach to what I saw happening in all of the meetings from our, our last gathering was that the Holy Spirit was actively working against our religious establishment. And every single phrase and every single message and comment and story and exhortation there was always I saw like this hammer or this chisel that was on purpose trying to break your and my religious exterior and I felt the chipping happen and I felt the chipping and I saw the chipping and in, in, in my spirit I could perceive these things happening, but my question to you is, did you notice? Some of you may have felt something, and that's fantastic. But what about the rest? As a church, as a congregation, we need to wholeheartedly, once and for all, 
Everyone say once and for all. That means that when you take this step, there is no option of returning. It means that you do it moving forward. You take the step without needing to go back. That we once and for all cross into living truthfully the gospel. I don't know how many times it's been mentioned or it's been said either by myself, by a pastor, or anybody else that has occupied this pulpit. But there is no requirement, there is no desire for the Father to have a religion on His behalf. I not once read that God is here trying to establish the religion of Christianity or Catholicism or, 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 or Baptist or any other denomination or religion that man has created. I don't see that in Scripture. But we as society, we as a church, we as people have gotten fantastically good at establishing religions. Because what do people defend? My religion. I am a, because my mother was a, and my grandma, and my great-grandma, and we defend what we are, or what we believe in, regardless if it's against what the kingdom has established. I've met a lot of people that I've mentioned to them about Father's love and Scripture and Christ, and they tell me, oh, that sounds great, but I mean, I'm a Catholic. And I ask them, well, you know, why you know, did, did you choose that? Well, no, it's just that my mom is Catholic, and she doesn't let me be anything else. I'm like, well, I mean, you're, you're 28 years old. You can't make your own choice. But we have gotten comfortable with allowing man's religion to be above God's kingdom. That's what society is, if you didn't know. Because what's going to happen tomorrow? October 31st. What are so many churches going to be doing? Trunk or treat. You come 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 to our parking lot dressed up as your as your favorite Disney character. Or, or let's gather on October 31st, right? You can come in a costume and we're going to praise the Lord. Or, or, or let's just go trick-or-treating. What's the harmony? My children are going to be dressed up as M&Ms. It's, it's, it's fine. And we've adapted society. We have allowed the occult to become part of our religion. I don't, I slipped on the name of the founder of the Satanism, of Satanism or the, or the Satanic religion, Alistair Crossley, some, some, something Crossley, I don't remember his name, but he said this about Christians, he was the founder of the Satanic religion, he said, I am so glad that Christians allow their children to worship the devil at least once a year. Yeah. 
if that's coming from the founder and the creator of the satanic religion, it really makes you think, what are we doing allowing our children to partake? We've allowed religion to become our base, our foundation. But I'm thankful that I felt I, I, I saw that chisel and I saw that hammer and I saw it just working and working and chipping away and chipping away. And, it, and, as, I, and I saw, as, as I witnessed that happening, the Lord spoke to me this phrase, the God who can't. And I said, Lord, what do you mean you can't? What, what, what do you mean you can't do something? You can do all things. But he just kept speaking to me, the God who can't. And as I pressed him, I said, Lord, I'm not just going to go up there and say, well, church, God can't do something. Lord, I need, I, need, I need you to tell me what he can't do. And the first thing that he pressed into me was, I can't deny myself. And I, I want you to turn to Exodus 14. And I, I want us to read this from Scripture. Exodus 14, I'm going to paraphrase a couple of things just so I ensure I finish on time. Exodus chapter 14. I, w- I want you to look to your neighbor and tell him, get ready. Tell him, get ready. <sighs> Exodus chapter 14. The, in the first couple of verses, we see Moses, and they're getting ready for this big uh, movement, Right? We see in verse 1 that uh, God tells Moses, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before uh, Phi-Haro, between Midgol and the sea, and you shall camp in front of Baal-Zephon, opposite it by the sea. So Moses gets the instruction from God, saying, Hey, it's time to go. This was after Pharaoh had already agreed, you know what, fine, we've dealt with the ten plagues, we've dealt with the God that you serve, get these Israelites out of here, go. And then the Lord speaks to Moses and says, hey, it's time to get the people of Israel and go camp by the sea. And then God tells Moses this this elaborate plan on exactly what he's going to do. Sounds familiar, right? God tells every detail on the plan, um, and and we can read it here, verse 2. For Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and they did so. When the king of of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is what is this that we've done? Let us letting us that we have let the people of Israel serving us go. So Pharaoh regrets his decision. He says, wait a minute. We just lost all our slaves. What have we done? And drop down all the way to verse 10. And it says this. 
As Pharaoh approached, who approached? The people of Israel looked up and were filled with passion, strength. Their faith was solid on the rock. <laughs> it says the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in, in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Oh, my goodness. Talk about panic. Can anyone identify with the people of Israel right now? Anyone ever panicked at the first sign of trouble? I'd be the first to raise my hand. And it's funny how they immediately, after, after being get granted freedom, they immediately shift the blame to God and Moses. Why did you do this to us? You mean, get you free? Why did you bring us out here to die? They, were already, they had already given up. They had already quit. There was, there was no ounce of faith in them. They had just given up. Verse 13. I love the way Moses handles this, this situation. He says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just, and this to me seems very, very foolish, or very um, just wrong advice. Right, you know, you're being pursued. They're about to find you in your camp. And Moses says, don't be afraid. Just stand still. What? what? Mo Moses, you, you see them. They're coming. It's Pharaoh, his best chariots, and his best warriors. And then it's his army. What do you mean stand still? He says, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. That is faith. Because Moses was there. He saw Pharaoh and his rage and all of his company of warriors. And he turns to them and says, don't be afraid. In fact, to do the worst thing possible, stand still and watch. We can see God do miracles when we learn to simply be still and watch. Verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. And he tells them again, just stay calm. So men, when, when in your house things get crazy, you can quote to your wife, Exodus 14, 14, just stay calm. I know that sometimes when I tell my wife, hey, relax, don't tell me to relax. It's like, oh, man, okay, hey, hey. it's biblical, right? Just stay calm. 
Being calm enables focus regardless of, the, regardless of your surrounding circumstance. We lose focus because we panic. Our first reaction is to lose our heads. We panic. We forget everything that we've already heard. And we allow our emotions to just go crazy. Now, I want you to just reflect a little bit and just put yourself in Moses' shoes. You were the guy that didn't even want the job. You found a burning bush. And you realize, man, I should have never gone to that burning. I, sh I should have just kept course and ignored my curiosity. But now I'm in the middle of all this. You find this burning, burning bush. And then you hear a voice speak from it. And you notice that this, this, this thing is not being consumed. And then you get the calling. And then the Lord says that you will be like my voice. And then he, he, he starts doing weird things with the staff. And you're thinking, what did I get myself into what is happening? I'm a stutterer. I can't speak. My brother has to speak for me. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And then you're standing here after obeying God, doing everything that he's asked you to do. You went up to Pharaoh. Somehow you mustered the boldness to stand before what, what people would refer to as the God of Egypt. Because Pharaohs would refer to them as gods. To, to, to themselves, and you stand before this one person that is in control of an entire group of people, and you demand from him their freedom. And then you get the freedom, but then this guy changes his mind. The Bible says that the Lord hardened his heart, Pharaoh's heart. And then you're standing here with the ocean behind you. In other words, it's a dead end. There's no way out. You're in your camp. You have all these people here, and the enemy's charging at you. And it's not the, the wimps. No, it's the main guy. It's the main boss and his best warriors, his fastest chariots. Put yourself in the shoes of Moses right now. Would you be able to stand and say, be calm. Watch the Lord rescue you. <laughs> After this long fight with Pharaoh, he frees the people, but then he leads them into a dead end. Moses did all of this simply because the Lord instructed him to do it. I don't read in Scripture when Moses asked God, okay, God, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of all this? He would just simply say, okay, okay. But there was something that Moses understood about the Lord that made him so confident in his decision to continue the next step. After the people got free, I'm sure Moses began to think, why would the Lord send us down this path only to lead us to a dead end. There's got to be something that I missed. There's got to be something that God is either planning or he's going to show me, but there's no way that God would lead 
me and his people to a dead end. See, Moses understood that God cannot deny himself. When the Lord instructs, the Lord cannot say, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I found someone better. I just, I just wanted you guys to get out of the way so that you would all die so that I could pick a different, better group of people. You see, when we serve and we obey the word of the Lord, any of you ever felt like you might have made, it, made a mistake? Like, man, maybe I didn't hear from God. I mean, I think it, it, it would have been justifiable for Moses to have been standing there like a deer in headlights and say, Lord, take us now. That would have been the normal response. Or even some of us would have just seen that, you know what, I'm going to try and just swim out. And we just start paddling. But there was something in Moses that grounded him. That would remind him, the Lord said, you're not a liar. Everything that you've said has happened in some weird way, but undeniably it's happened. And I, I myself have had many moments in which I'll fall on my face and just cry out to God and say, Lord, I think you got the wrong guy. Lord, I don't think, I don't think you, messed, you, you made the best choice here. Kevin Gamas is not, he's just not cut out for this. Maybe you should have picked the other brother or you should have picked the other family. Or maybe you should have just, you know, leaving me on the side of the road. You made a mistake with me. <laughs> Can't you see that I'm just doing it wrong? But it is in those moments, time and time again, that I have tried to convince God that he's made a mistake. Anyone has ever, ever done that before? Where you try so hard to say, God, you messed up. You made a mistake. I know that you said so, but maybe you spoke too soon. But every time that I've landed in that place of doubt and insecurity, in one way, shape, or form, the Lord always shows up and reminds me, who he is. Because again, he cannot deny himself. His nature, his character, he cannot just say, not today. I don't feel like it today. He can't do that. When the, when the Israelites were panicking, thinking that they were going to die and it was all Moses' fault for taking them out, Moses responds with peace. 
Now these Israelites were convinced that it was better for them to be under the oppression of the Egyptians rather than in the freedom of God's chosen people. To put it in modern terms, these people believed that their religion was better than living free under the kingdom. Well, in my religion, we're not, we don't do this because we don't want to dishonor God. Yeah, but you allow your kids to do all these other nonsense, or you yourself partake. I have these friends or coworkers that they go to church every Sunday. Um, they do good deeds, and they try to be good people, and they always tell people, you know, that they try to do good things, and they always go to church. But when you talk to them, it's almost like you got to plug your ears. And beep, it begins, beep, 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 beep. And it's just this long, every other word, it's just a bad, it's just a curse word, and a curse word, and a curse word. And I think to myself, what, what, what type of church do you go to that lets you talk like that? And in, and in the little moments that I've pressed that I've pressed in, like, you know, have you ever read the book of 1 Timothy? You know, 4.12, be an example in conduct speech. And, and, and I love it because they know the Bible because they go to church. And they say, well, the Bible says that only God can judge me. Oh, okay. Well, you're not going to like his judgment then. Well, my, my children love Halloween, so how can I deny them Halloween? So you would rather your children partake in a satanic ritual than simply tell them no. Man, how easily we give up on our kids, right? The Israelites chose panic at the first sight of trouble, and they chose to blame the God that had already manifested so many evidences of his might. And Moses responds with peace. And Moses was a very important figure, yes. But what I love about God is that he picked an imperfect person. He didn't pick Pharaoh. He picked Moses. Now, the cool thing is, is I, I hadn't read Exodus 14 in a long time, like fully. I knew the story and I, I knew all like the major, you know, the major stuff. But when I went back and actually read verse by verse by verse by verse, I was blown away by some of the details that I did not remember. So, so we see this, right, that Pharaoh comes in, um, read from verse, uh, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, after Moses tells the people, hey, y'all, be still, come, watch what God is going to do, for he will fight for you today. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I love that. Moses is here saying, trust in God, you're about to witness a miracle, and God says, hey, shh, hurry up, what are you doing? Why are you crying out to me? You already know what to do. Kind of like, all right, let's, 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 let's speed this up. Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. 
As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, now, so God tells Moses, this is what you're going to do. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. And the, the, the angel of God who has been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was a cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus, the no, thus one did not come near the other all night. So right before their eyes, he performs this crazy miracle. He sends the angel. The angel now creates this barrier between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And it says that no one tried to approach it. In other words, the people of Israel were now boxed in. They had this barrier and then they had the sea. But the Lord tells Moses, this is what you're going to do. You're going to... Divide it. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Wow. So they just witnessed the natural elements bow before the will of God. Because I've been in areas where winds blow very hard. And I've never seen the water just perfectly divide. I've never witnessed water. If the wind is going east, the water just goes and it blows so hard that it's dry land. Because what's under the sea? Sand. Now, sand is not the most stable. But the word says here that they went on dry land. Again, that's unnatural. See, the, we see the difference when somebody acts it out. But what do we do when we're in the middle of it? And I have been guilty of it time and time again, where my first reaction is, oh, it's not fair, and I have to really fight my flesh to regroup and say, okay, God, my flesh says it's not fair, so that means that it must be spiritually good. Okay, well, let me, let me compose myself, Lord. Well, well, where are you? I want to see it. If my flesh is telling me run away, that means that my spirit says stay. Because my flesh will always go contrary to what you want to do. Huh. My flesh says, don't sow. Okay, God, how much, how much do I give? My flesh says, don't show up to that service. 
okay, God, I'm going to put 17 alarms so I don't wait, so I don't miss being there. My flesh says, no, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You don't always have to feel it, because you won't always feel it. You think Moses in that moment felt like a man in control? <laughs> oh, man. Moses gave wisdom in that moment, but I'm sure he, he was feeling something. I mean, he was human after all. But I love, I love the fact that God takes his creation and says, I'm going to recondition you momentarily. I'm going to cause the winds to pick up the, the water, and I'm going to cause it to make a, a, a wall of water. And then I'm going to cause the wind to dry out the land right before you so you can step over. And whenever you're safe, I'm going to snap my fingers, and it's all going to reset. Because that's what I can do. That's who I am. If I tell you, it's because it's, it already happened. It's already a thing where I'm abiding. You're just catching up. So how many words have you received from the Lord? How many times have you been given a word, received a word, and you said, okay, God, this is for me. But when the word is tested, is it really God? Did, did you really? Was this really you? I mean, I, I started to kind of have those questions when I found out that Robin and Brenda were pregnant again. I said, Lord, really? I mean, I was excited. But I also had the other perspective in mind. Lord, but their apartment and their house and the space, like, you know, he kind of made a joke yesterday when he came over to pick up some stuff. He was like, we don't need all this stuff. We kind of need more space, right? And I'm thinking... That's, that's a reality. Lord, did you really want for this to happen? But see, God can't deny himself. God's a God of life. And when he gives you life, he will provide the avenue for expansion. And often we see the reality of God. Every, if God would do it back then with sticks and stones and rocks, why can't he do it today with all the technology that we have? I mean, Moses had a staff. That was his advanced weaponry. That was his technology. He had a staff. But God said, if that's all you have, that's all I need. He tells Moses, take your staff. His staff became everything. It became the element in which God would manifest power. And my buddy David, you all know David? You, you all know David? King David? I love this. Because David, when he was just a 15-year-old boy, Ethan, stand up. Come here. Come here, Ethan. Ever since Mika left, I've had to, you know, find a new preaching um, buddy. And I chose Ethan because he's a nice guy. David, a 15-year-old guy, right? Just an average kid tending the, the sheep out, out in the fields, practicing his fighting, practicing his slingshots. He was just a boy when the Lord said, hey, guess what? You're going to be king. 
And then one day, David obeys the word of his father, Jesse, to take some food, take some lunch to his brothers at the war. But I love David's response when he hears (laughs) Goliath. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine? No one else, not even Saul, had dared to step up against this Philistine. And I love that David was small in stature. He was short. It's okay to be short right now. Goliath was massive. But see, we see, so stand down there for me, right? If, if this is David, I'm Goliath. If you, if you were to witness this fight, who would you bet your money on? There is no doubt in my mind or anyone's mind that Goliath physically, just in physical stature alone, could pick up David by the head and just swing him around like a little rag doll. There was no doubt that the strength of Goliath was mightier than the strength of David, no matter how many lions and bears he had already fought. But see, when David approached Goliath, David was not focused on Goliath's strength. He was focused on who his God is. And he knew that if my God is for me, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Thank you. Who is this this guy compared to my guy? Because we can see Goliath be ginormous. But if we look a little higher, oh, there's Papa. <laughs> this guy's bullying me. This guy's in the way, Papa. And I know you don't like bullies. I, don't lo- I know that you don't like people who blaspheme against you. Oh, you want me to take him out? Just give me the rock. Just give me the slingshot. David was so focused on who God was to him and is to him in in his current state that he didn't worry about the stature of Goliath. He didn't worry about who was watching. He didn't worry about anything other than stopping the one thing that was in the way. Many of us would have seen Goliath and said, oh, that's not my fight. I'm not ready for that. See, for David, there was no other way. There was no, there was no option when he would just show up, hear Goliath, and say, oh, nope, that's not for me. He didn't have the, that luxury of a choice. He had already committed in his heart that he would serve the Lord. And in that commitment, when the Lord's name was being trampled on and spat upon, He would not stand for it. And one of my biggest frustrations in in modern day Christianity, if you want to call it that, is believers that choose tolerance over conviction. We have to just love them. Just give them a hug. No, no, no. Don't ever speak any. No, no, don't tell them anything. Just love them. 
Jesus told the Pharisees, you sons of the devil. You cannot tell me that we are allowed to allow society to blaspheme openly and we can't say anything about it. There is no sitting on the fence. There is no in between. There is no I'm 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 not I'm half and half. There is none of that. You are either going to wholeheartedly dive deep into serving our God, into being a son, into being a daughter, into having this father-son, father-daughter relationship where nothing gets in between and you're focused on what you're called to do. Or you're going to be like Pharaoh. And when the rivers close, you're going to get swept in. And I feel, I feel the weight of the Lord in this moment. Because for so long, we have comfortably and idly allowed people around us to say horrendous things about our God or our Father. And we've just listened. I don't want to offend them. It's none of my business. It's not a good time for me right now. But David heard it. He didn't care who was saying it. He didn't even ask permission if he could do it. He simply took a stand. I serve a God that cannot deny himself. And I'm going to respond regardless of the outcome. I'm pretty sure David thought to himself, if I die, well, I die. But I know my God can't deny himself. I know my God cannot and would not call me to be king only to have me die before his word comes to fulfillment. (laughs) When there is no way, you need to understand that that is where God, Father Almighty says, my ways are not your ways. (laughs) My ways, the way that I am, the ways that I use, they're never going to be yours because you need naturally created ways to continue. I don't. I will make a way where there is no way because, again, my ways are not yours. You can't explore my ways unless I set them before you. So when you think that you're backed into a corner, when you're thronged like Jesus was thronged, Ileana, that's a word for you, when you're cornered, when you're trapped in there and you say, Lord, that's it, there's no way out, I'm not going to make it, that is the moment where God is saying, exactly, there is no way. There is no access for you to go anywhere because your ways are not my ways. And all you have to do is stand Be still. Watch. I will make a way where there is none. And you may not see the way, but fear not. And these these phrases that I have heard years and years and years over where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Jesus wouldn't have given us such a powerful, powerful confession if not to demonstrate the strength of that very same word. I am the way. My ways are not your ways. When we get backed into moments where we say, Lord, it's either I die or you are seen as a liar. And God says, don't worry, none of that's going to happen. <laughs> because I can't deny who I am. If I told you, if I spoke to you, it's going to happen. But Lord, there's no way. Exactly. For you. There is no way for you to do it. Your participation has ended. Just stay calm. There's a requirement to see the way. If you panic, you will never see God's hand in action. You will only see the enemy's strength. But when you stay calm and watch, come, come and see. Come and see. Oh, where is it? Oh, wow. I smell it. You're getting warmer. I smell it, Lord. Where and then you see the way. Oh, <laughs> the enemy won't know what hit him. When we learn to stay calm, when we learn to just stay calm and wait. Then we see the goodness of our Father. Then we see who God is. He's a Father that cannot deny himself. And there's been so many times where I have felt thronged. When I said, Lord, there, there, this is it. This is, this is it. Kevin Gamas made it to be 28 years old. That's it. There's no way. And the Lord would just simply remind me, did I not call you? You were 15 years old. I told you. I would use you. Did I say I was done? But Lord, what am I supposed to do? Stay calm. Come. Once you're calm, come. Come and see. Come and see what you're supposed to do. Okay, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do now? Exactly that. But Lord, everything's going to waste. The whole world is crumbling. No, it's not. This. Being able to be here. Being able to just soak And just be where he is. Yesterday I was sitting on my computer and I was, you know, writing and I was thinking of all the other things that I had to do. And I was just, I was, I was getting frustrated with myself because I had a long to-do list. And Wendy and I had some bad food on Friday and we were just feeling nauseous and bad stomach pain. So that was adding to my frustration and I was just thinking... 
okay, Lord, I can't focus. I feel, I feel bad, but I'm also super hungry, but my stomach hurts, and I have 20 other things to do here. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit say, I need you to soak. So I just sat on my chair. I crossed my arms as if I was getting a hug. And I, I, I just sat there for 30 minutes. And where my head felt like I was spinning because I, I had like headaches, my headache went away. And then my stomach began to just get satisfied. And then my frustration just almost as if I was just dripping it away. And all I was thinking about was just the phrase, Papa, just love me. Love me right now. I need to be loved. I want to be loved. 30 minutes went by and I, I opened my eyes and And then I just began writing and writing and this and that. And an hour went by and I said, wow, Lord. Being in your presence really does make a difference. It changes everything about it. Lord, what do I do? What do I do? There's, there's a phrase that I heard that I, I want to be sensible in this moment. Dealing with the God who can't deny himself. There was a phrase that I heard that said, if you can't stop thinking about it, don't stop praying about it. And it was this, this overwhelming just repetition, this repetition of, And it, it was, um, where's Jorge? He's in the camera, right? It was this, this phrase that I saw, Jorge. Y te, te lo voy a decir a ti porque siento que en este momento es, es para ti. Um, y toda esta semana lo, lo he tenido en mi corazón y en mi mente. Y cuando Leonard estaba or, orando por ti, yo estaba atrás de ti y de repente empecé a sentir un, un fuego realmente caliente, 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 caliente. Y vi una imagen justo cuando él estaba orando por ti de, de tú hacerte un hijo. Vi una imagen de tú de niño que te empujaba en el piso y caías sobre la tierra y te querías levantar y te volvían a empujar otra vez y te volvían a empujar otra vez pero tú como niño chiquito decías no no y tenías un fuego dentro de ti una, un denuedo de no aceptar estar en el piso echado y sentí como Dios extendía su mano y hablaba a ese niño con esa pasión ese denuedo de decir no yo no soy del piso, yo soy de papá. 
toda esta semana he tenido esa, esa frase y esa imagen y esa imagen. Y quiero que tú hoy me escuches y entiendas que papá está extendiendo su mano hacia ti y, de, y te está diciendo, no Jorge, tú no eres del piso, tú no eres un nadie, realmente eres un hijo. Tienes propósito, sirves para algo importante. Yo quiero que recibas esa palabra porque toda esta semana, Jorge, no he podido pensar en otra cosa. Así que reciba esa palabra que yo fir firmemente creo que sí era para ti. And it's, it's in that church that when we receive words, church, we can't deny them. Just as God doesn't deny who he is, he's a father who will father, he's a lover who will love, he's a protector who will, who, who will protect, he's a redeemer who will redeem, he is who he says he is. He cannot deny who he says that he is. And we need to understand that, church, we are going to get backed into corners. Yes, Jesus said it himself, in this world you will have tribulations. But take heart. I have already overcome that. Your tribulation has already been dealt with. You're simply going to experience it to see who I am. You're going to receive more and more physical, visual, and auditory experiences that are going to solidify who he is to you. If you haven't experienced God as father, that is what you need to press in. If you haven't experienced God as a lover, that is what you need to press in. If you haven't experienced God as a healer, that is what you need to press in. When we learn to press in, oh my goodness, will he press in. And when Papa presses in, church, there is nothing in our human strength that can keep composure. I thought, I thought that crying, I had already mastered how intense I could cry when I first got saved and I was 17, 18, and I would weep for hours in my own time. The times where I've cried now have been so much more intense that there's times where I'm like... Lord, please, because he just presses in. And church, if we begin to press in, and I mean radically and honestly and sincerely press into the Father's heart, you are going to have the Father press in. And when the Father presses in, there is nothing in your Composure, there is no ounce of dignity you can hold that is going to be able to resist the overwhelming sensation that he brings. Whether it's through weeping, through laughing, through weeping and laughing, whether it's through just running around, whether it's just to passing out, whatever it is, it's glorious. It's beautiful. Because he will make ways where there are no ways. They're designed to be God made, just like our building. Anyone can come in here and say, 
Y'all are looking for another building? <laughs> Why? Where are the people at? I don't see a full building. You guys aren't maxing out capacity. What do you need another building for? The voice of, the, of doubt, right? The voice of the accuser? <laughs> well, guess what? Where there is no way now, my God will make a way. It's already there. It's already getting paved. He's paving the way. All we have to do is meet with faith what he's already declared. And he says it about this church. He says it about you. He says it about me. And we've all received words from the Lord. No one in this place can say, well, I've never received anything from God. Please, please. Not many times can we say that in a room, that every single one of you at one point has received a word. God won't deny himself. But my marriage, God won't deny himself. But my children, God cannot deny himself. But my finances, and yet I say again unto you, God cannot deny himself. It is inevitable. He can't do it. He won't do it. There is no ounce in him that will cause him to say, no, I don't want to. Oh, I made a mistake. That doesn't exist in the vocabulary of the Father. This week, my father and I had a heavy disagreement, like fathers and sons do. It got a little crazy, but it happened. And then yesterday, you know, things were fine, and he mentions this phrase, agreements are agreements. And he gives me something that we had agreed, that we made an agreement on. And he says, agreements are agreements. And for a second, I thought in my head, what is wrong with this guy? What do you mean? But see, what a father does is when he says, <laughs> everything in his nature aligns to what he says. There is no shadow of variation in the father. Oh, church, you need, oh, don't push back on that. There is no shadow of variation in the father. My father, who art in heaven, is your father. My Father that provides for me is also your Father that provides for you. You think that just because I hold some position or, or, or I hold a microphone, I have special access to the Father? I don't. We have access to the Father. There is no, dis there, there, there is no hierarchy when it comes to the sons and daughters. We're just that. Sons. And daughters, Isaac, you're my brother. Am I older? Yes. Am I better? No. I'm just older. But we're brothers. That's all we are. What I can do, if you want it, take it, because you can do it better than me. And I feel that word over you right now, because you've been pressing in and you've been asking the Lord, Lord, I want to do it. Lord, I want to do it. And the Lord is saying yes to you, Isaac. He's saying yes to you. Because there's something in you that just causes, it, it just causes people to just gravitate towards who you are. 
Nothing to do with your dad. Nothing to do with your mom. It's you. So I'm telling you right now, just take it. Don't, don't think of me as a standard, buddy. <laughs> you, will, you, you, you will be better than I am. You will be so much better than I am. And I can see that, and I can see you in front of people. And I can see you just with this boldness and this courage and people just responding to that because you are a leader. That is what you are, a leader. And I know you don't feel like one. And I know you've even told yourself, oh, I'm not going to do this. I can, I, I can hear that when you're in the, in the bathroom. But I'm telling you now, the Lord is calling you to lead. And he won't deny himself. He's not a liar. I know your example isn't the best. But don't look to it, look to him. Because it's in scripture. Look what he's done for you. I give that to you this morning, Isaac. And I give you, church, the God who cannot deny himself. Lord, now I understand why you said three part. I wanted to do all of them this morning. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Why don't we just stand to our feet this morning? We're going to continue on Wednesday about the God who can't. And I, want, I just want to pray with you all. And Just wherever you are, just close your eyes, bow your head. And I want to pray this the way that Jesus prayed it. In Matthew chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. We're just going to close our eyes and pray this. He says, our Father. Everyone say, our Father. Everyone say, it, our Father. Now personalize it. Say, my Father. Now personalize it again. Say, Papa, Abba, Daddy. My daddy, my papa, papi. Insert your own connection to the Father who art in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, papa. Like Jesus wouldn't do anything that you wouldn't tell him to do. You said that we would be like him. Jesus was so bold and confident that he would go on to say that greater things we will do. Papa, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be so according to your will. This morning, Father, we rely on the God who cannot deny who he is. He is a savior. 
He makes a way where there is no way. He provides rescue when all hope seems lost. He causes me to lie still. He causes me to be still. He invites me to come and see. And this morning, Papa, we open our hearts. We remind ourselves of the God, the Father, who cannot deny himself. And with our lips we confess, Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are faithful. You are. You said it, so I believe it. You spoke it, so I will see it. Lord, you are faithful. You cannot deny yourself. And in that conviction, we rest our head on your bosom. My Father, who art in heaven, who I can sit on his lap, cannot deny himself. No matter what the accuser says, no matter what the demons try to speak into my mind, my father won't deny himself. When he says, he does. Because he's just that good. And we thank you for it. In the magnificent name of Jesus, the sons and daughters of the Almighty say, Amen and amen. Let's give Papa praise this morning. I thank you for being here today. And I expect you to, to, to see you on Wednesday for the continuation of the God Who Can't. Be blessed, church.